Welcome to the Future Church Podcast, powered by Exponential, a podcast about innovative and emerging ideas in the North American church. With the need for the gospel in our generation, we must not look for a silver bullet approach. We believe there are many expressions to the local church, and we are seeking to discover and highlight new and effective ways that churches can impact our world with the gospel. For more information about Exponential's resources and upcoming events, visit exponential.org. Hi, and welcome to the Future Church Podcast. I'm your host today, Carrie Williams, and I have the privilege today to interview one of our Shark Tank winners that uh, Exponential Ventures was a part of this entire process, as you guys have heard, if you've listened to any of our Future Church podcasts thus far, uh, that we we had hundreds of applicants put in applications regarding the projects that they're working on. And these projects are innovative, full of um, leaders who are practitioners in the areas. And uh, Josh Armstrong was one of those people who was referred and we asked him to apply. And he uh, got to join us when we were in Austin, Texas for a Shark Tank event. And so we're going to talk more about uh, a project that he started back in January of 2021 of this year called Trellis. Welcome, Josh. We're glad that you're here. Yeah, thanks, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Josh, let's just start out by talking a little bit about who you are and what brought you to the moment, probably back in January or even the steps before January, uh, to lead you into the path of launching Trellis. Yeah. So, just really the short version of my backstory is I grew up a pastor's kid living mainly in the Southeast and uh, then had one of those little existential crises of faith uh, there in college, like so many of us do, but came out of that uh, still loving Jesus and um, did various ministry roles. And uh, eventually my wife and I, we got married really young and um, international missions had been on our radar. And um, after going through most of our 20s, uh, the very end of our 20s, we decided to move overseas and felt called to go to Haiti. And uh, we had a couple of kids right around that time. And um, and then, yeah, did a lot of work in Haiti and including getting involved with something that a lot of folks might be familiar with, which is DMM or disciple making movements and um, really saw a movement begin in Haiti. Um, after that, we felt called to go to West Africa and um, implement what we learned uh, amongst unreached people groups on kind of the, the far western side of the 1040 window and continue to be involved in both of those works overseas internationally. But we came back and we're stationed here in the States and um, and we're just kind of searching for what was next and really felt convicted that God wanted to show us how to do what we learned overseas right here in East Tennessee, where we're currently living, which is uh, right outside of Knoxville. And um, yeah, so man, back in uh, about a year ago, which would have been the fall of 2020, was really feeling convicted. And of course, that was right when COVID was going on anyway. And um Last last part of this little story I'll tell is I was I was jogging in the park and um, I was just angry because I couldn't figure out how to implement what we learned overseas into more prevailing model churches, which which we love. But we didn't know how to implement these things and see the gospel going away from us rather than coming to us. And so uh, I got this vision while jogging in the park from the Lord. And, and the vision was of this game I used to play with my kids called Thin Ice. And the whole premise is you go around and drop a marble on this wet uh, napkin and eventually somebody breaks through the ice 
And I, as I prayed into it, I felt like God saying, Hey, you might not be the one to see breakthrough, but you're to be one of those marbles and somebody's going to see breakthrough. And when one person sees breakthrough, all of those marbles come through. And, and the way I interpreted that was, um, I might not be the one to, you know, see a disciple making movement here in North America, but somebody is, we're going to see, um, we're going to see real movement. And we're already starting to see that happening and pockets of that happening around North America. And so anyway, out of that, we said, man, our marble looks like something called trellis and got a team together and started forming what is, what is now trellis and been going after it for about a year now. Thank you for that backstory. I love the imagery that you gave us and um, what a great game that is too. Super simple, <laughs> but, but so fun to play. So let me ask this question. You refer to disciple making movements and, and how to bring that here and that uh, that's your big heartbeat behind it all. Tell me what, what you would describe, um, describe what a disciple making movement is to you, because we have a lot of church leaders listening to this. And I think all of us would define it just a tad bit different, uh, hopefully re- really similar though. And so, um, kind of map up what map out what that picture looks like for you. Yeah. We need the, the whole podcast to fully answer that question, but, um, just to maybe help bring a little bit of clarity and, and say a few words about it. Uh, disciple making movements are really just looking back at how did Jesus make disciples? Um, and so rather than saying we're going to go plant churches and, and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that at all. Um, but that was the mentality that I at one time had, let's, let's get a group of people and go plant the church rather than go into the harvest, um, make disciples and see the church emerge from, uh, not yet believers, um, which is a little bit counterintuitive to a lot of people. And, uh, but that's, you know, it makes a lot of sense when working amongst unreached people groups and increasingly here in North America, even, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's necessary. And, um, a lot of people are, um, kind of shunning and turning away from prevailing model churches, unfortunately. And so rather than say, Hey, let's be, um, let's call people to our churches Uh, making them the missionaries, making them the people that have to break through all the obstacles. We say, why don't we go into others' contexts and learn from them and understand their culture, uh, identify persons of peace, and slowly disciple people to Jesus, uh, and then allow them to do the same within their own social network. Um, And so basically, again, I said this a while ago, but see the gospel go away from us rather than coming to us, coming to our church buildings. Um, and so there's a lot more I can say about how that looks and what that looks like, but the long story short is you make disciples and see the church emerge from that. Good picture. So, so with that in mind, you launched trellis in January. Mm -hmm. So tell our listeners all about trellis. What is it? What's the, I mean, I think we kind of grasp a vision, but break it down for us a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, um, we said there are roughly 34 counties that make up East Tennessee. It's about 2.4 million people. A lot of people moving here right now, especially um, during the pandemic. We've just seen such a huge wave of people moving in here. So 2.4 is lowballing it. 2.4 million is lowballing it. But what we said is, um, what's it going to take to see gospel saturation in all 34 counties of East Tennessee? And we started. Uh, we, we knew we wanted to see disciple making movements or DMMs launched. Um, and we said, how can we possibly see at least one disciple making movement launched in each of these counties? 
And um, through collaborating with a lot of people who are discovering some new things in North America, we really got turned on to this idea of having at least one hub uh, in each county. And a hub, and we'll probably talk more about this here in, in a little bit, but essentially a hub is a mission sending, a missionary sending and equipping uh, team that would function within a county to, to launch disciple-making movements with normal everyday believers. So indigenous uh, missionaries, if you will, that are living in their counties that are uh, going to schools and going to their workplaces and how do we equip and train and mobilize them to live as missionaries in their everyday context. And so, uh, yeah, Trellis essentially is, uh, it exists to, to launch disciple making movements in all 34 counties of East Tennessee. So you talk about hubs in each of the counties. Do you, is the vision to bring all of those hubs together um, is it, is it a digital platform where you get to train and raise up those individuals who are the hub team, I guess you would say, like, tell me, tell me the practicality that if I'm a, if I, if I'm, you know, in the County next to yours and I'm listening to this podcast, I'm thinking, and I want to get involved with this. Um, what's that look like for, for those people? Yeah. So there's not, uh, I guess another way of saying what you just asked is there's not like a hub of hubs, if you will. In other words, there's not one, one entity that's overseeing all of these hubs. Rather, there are shared, uh, shared resources, share, you know, shared website, all those kinds of things that can, that we can all utilize. Um, but each hub is able to contextualize how they put themselves together based on their county. And so, for example, here in Knox County, um, which is mostly, of course, uh, you know, city life, it's very different than, say, Hamblin County, which is very rural. Um, and so a hub would need to be able to, as it forms itself, will be able to contextualize uh, the makeup of their team and the services that they offer to missionaries in their county. Um, so we share and network across East Tennessee where it's necessary, but there's not like any one governing body that's governing the hubs. And by extension, none of the hubs govern the network of missionaries and micro churches, the movements, if you will, that are launched within that respective county. The hubs don't govern and there's no hub of hubs that govern the hubs. And so it's very decentralized and it uh, allows people to use creativity while having some shared language and resources and things of that nature. So a lot more I could say about that, but, uh, and I know that <laughs> that's, that's pretty vague, but we kind of like to keep it that way in order to allow people to, um, to, to, to raise up into leadership, uh, to reproduce leaders and to promote creativity. So good. So tell me you launched in January and where are you at as far as execution of this vision as of right now? So we're, we're doing this recording in November, late November, mid-November, I guess I would say. Um, so tell me, where are you at in this process? And do you, how many hubs do you have? Do you have hubs that are existent? And, and then the, the next question would be on the heels of that is how do you recruit uh, new team members for hubs? Yeah, great question. Um, so we have essentially four, what I would call emerging hubs. There's, there's, there's one of the four that um, is close to what might, might be considered maturity in that uh, they have steady rhythms, they have um, steady things that they're offering missionaries and things of that nature. Uh, there are three other kind of emerging ones that are still putting themselves together. We're, our you know our motto very much is start slow in order to go fast later. And so it's a huge vision, and and we're not naive enough to think that it's going to happen overnight. God certainly could do that, 
So there are four emerging hubs. Three of them are in physical locations, and one of them uh, is a Spanish-speaking hub to serve the various uh, Spanish-speaking communities across East Tennessee, of, of which there are many. And so they're translating all of our stuff into Spanish uh, and looking to contextualize in, in um, amongst the Spanish speakers. Um, yeah, so we've got that going on. Uh, we've got a, a few other things. Like I said, we've got a website we just put together. We're working on our own podcast and some some things that will serve the greater community uh, across Trellis. Uh, still haven't even got our 501c3 status. So we're going super slow on all that. We're just not pushing it. Even our website, you know, we're putting it together in such a way that it'll it'll function to resource and network existing people um, in the network and not be attractional. We're not trying to you know, pull people away from prevailing models or any other kind of models. And then how would you, so you have four right now, how do you see that, that number growing? Um, are you, are you doing any kind of recruiting? Is it, is it predominantly through models that already exist? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. And that was the second part of your question that I failed to answer. Sorry about that, Carrie. Yeah. Uh, you know, We've got myself and a few others thus far that are kind of working at a, and I, I use this term very, very, I don't know, very carefully, but kind of at an apostolic type level uh, in that we're going and, and kind of catalyzing things in new areas. Uh, you know, we're identifying not only persons of peace, but also people who have similar heartbeats and visions and are just looking for language um, in some of the counties that we're not currently working in. But we do that at, at you know God's pace, at his timing. It's not like I designate three hours a week to go to some you know county and stir up trouble. Um, we're kind of letting it come to us. And, and the word's getting out kind of or, organically and, and what we're about and what we're doing, which has been really cool. And then as far as like when a, a you know the possibility of a hub starts to come together, we look at those folks that not only really gather the vision and are starting to live on mission themselves, because I don't, uh, I, I don't want to see a lot of hub team members that are doing all this stuff from a 30,000 foot you know, uh, vantage point, but not living on mission themselves. And so we are all trying to be practitioners of disciple making movements and, and make disciple and disciples in our local context. Uh, but beyond living on mission and kind of having some giftedness and ability uh, to be a, a hub team member and speak into the network, we also look for people that have bandwidth. Um, nobody's getting paid at Trellis. We're all uh, bivocational. Um, and, uh, that's as far as we can tell what God's telling us is the vision going forward. And so, um, yeah, so the, I guess that's kind of the three things we, we look for in hub team members, you know, giftedness, bandwidth and living on mission themselves. It's great. So what would you say is currently your biggest challenge? <laughs> I mean, I know when you start talking about anything that's pretty new, Right. Especially something that seems a little bit on the newer side of like trailblazing outside of the norms. Um, there are tons of challenges probably involved in that, but also a lot of excitement that that can drive you know you through those challenges as you see God just answer prayer <laughs> through those challenges. So what would you say is one of your biggest challenges that you're facing right now with Trellis? Yeah, I'll give you at least a couple. How about that? Uh Perfect. Yeah, I think a huge challenge is for people who are already believers, you know, and we're really trying to draw from from people out in the harvest. But for, for people who are already believers, there's a lot of unlearning um, and that just takes time. There's a lot of deconstruct uh, deconstructing of what they see as 
church and how to do church and how to make disciples and those kinds of things. Um, so that's a big challenge. And it's also a big challenge because um, a lot of times when you do something like this, you you attract people that are just um, burnt or bitter toward prevailing models. And we said from the beginning, we don't want that to be our MO. Um, that is some of our stories, um, but uh, God very early on it made it clear that we are to be honoring of all expressions of the church, that he is still using each and every expression that has been used in the past and he will continue to and to honor and to play fair um, while being innovative and being free to explore some of the not really new things he's doing because nothing we're doing really is new. It's just a, a different expression of something very ancient. Um, uh, we think it looks a lot like um, things that we see in the early church and the book of Acts. It looks a lot like uh, tactics that Jesus uses. And so, um, so yeah, those are some challenges though. There's, there's a whole plethora of other challenges, uh, especially here in the Bible belt in East Tennessee. Uh, a lot of the language that we're speaking just doesn't make sense. Uh, it takes a long time to resonate. The good thing about that is I'm finding that the people it resonates with the most are people who don't have a lot of prior church experience or maybe even experience with Jesus at all. Um, this whole idea of decentralization and, uh, you know, social networking and all that kind of stuff. It, it's it's the language of our times. So there's challenges, but there's uh, some good things along with it as well, for sure. Yeah. So you hit on the good things. What would you say at this point is your biggest victory? Like when Amazing. you look back and you're like, okay, I see you at work, Lord. What's that look uh, like? The biggest victory. I don't know that I can name mm -hmm. one specific biggest victory. Uh, maybe your favorite. Yeah, just one of my favorite things is seeing some, uh, some, especially young people, really come alive, really realize that there is a Christianity that makes sense to them. There's a Christianity they can resonate with. Uh, and that's not to say they, they couldn't in some other models of church, but um, a lot of young people are just seeing some of the, some of the, uh, some of the tools that we're using make way more sense in their social networks. And so seeing them get excited about sharing their faith and making disciples um, and just the language that God has gifted us with uh, has been really cool to pass on to a lot of young people. Just seeing them. I don't know. I've seen, I've seen young people in my neck of the woods come alive in a way that I've not seen in a while and be excited about sharing their faith. And I get really excited about seeing them go to especially marginalized areas that they're living in, um, you know, and, and take the gospel to places where a lot of times it's, it's been a struggle for, for churches in our area. And so we've got, you know, we've got some young people that are going to marginalized women and LGBTQ community, which is a lot of times overlooked and, and a lot of other communities. And it's just really beautiful. Yeah. I love hearing that. So uh, let me ask this question. You have these young people, they're fired up. They start telling people about Jesus. They start discipling people one-on-one -on -one, and it begins to grow. And what is it, you know, what, what are the what do you envision it looking like? I mean, most of the time in these kind in, in what I'd say are disciple making movements, especially overseas, um, we see these kind of moments grow into lots of home gatherings where people are meeting together. And then, you know, that grows into another one, which grows into another one. And and it become instead of a one on one situation where, you know, one person is telling one person, telling one person, it kind of begins to multiply where people want to get around one another and learn from each other and discuss the word and, and then invite others into that. And so when you, when you think about that happening, 
there in Tennessee and those counties that you're referring to, um, what do you picture? What do you picture that to look like, you know, three years down the road from now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my real hope and prayer is for it to look very similar to what we've seen overseas in that you've got a multi-generational movement on your hands. Right now, we're mostly raising up first and second generation. Uh, what, you know, we're using the, whole, the language of microchurch, which a lot of people are right now, but we're not exclusively using microchurch. Whatever expression of church emerges um, when disciples are made, we bless and honor, but we definitely value trying to stay small so that we can reproduce uh, more quickly and continue to be hyper-missional. Um, but what I picture are multiple first generation strands that turn into third, fourth, fifth generation strands of micro churches and uh, for them to form collectives that are healthy, but that don't uh, limit what God wants to do. You know, one of the one of the um, unreached people groups we've worked with in West Africa is called the World Dugu. And about six years ago, we planted the seeds to see a movement launched there. And they're to their 13th generation of, you can call them house churches, micro churches, whatever you want to call them. It's it's unbelievable. It's truly gone viral. And you, you really couldn't call them an unreached people group anymore. Um, and I want to see a bunch of that. So like in the gaming community here in East Tennessee, I want to see a multi-generational movement and in, you know, the CrossFit community, cause we've got a guy working in CrossFit and on and on from there. Um, and a dream is really, especially to see those movements in places amongst the marginalized and people that peoples that the church has really either overlooked or been ineffective in reaching. And so I don't think it's a pipe dream, man. I think we're going to see God do it. I love that. Okay. So this this is probably going to be my, my trickiest question yet. I don't don't know if tricky is the right word for it, but I consider it a little tricky. How are you working or plan to work with, or do you even plan to work with um, local churches in the surrounding area who, uh, you know, who don't, who, who aren't, who either this isn't their vision. It's not, I mean, they have the same vision, same goal, um, but the way in which they accomplish it looks a little bit differently. Are there plans to partner alongside with train, teach, coach, pull in any of those kind of things with uh, more of the traditional church models in the area? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, what I, I really meant what I said while I go in that, not only do we want to honor uh, all expressions of church, but I mean, we want to see gospel saturation here in East Tennessee. And for that to happen, it's going to take the whole body of Christ mobilizing and leveraging everything that we are to see gospel saturation. I want to see that. Now, what that looks like, and to answer your question that way, we're still discovering, we're exploring. Uh, I am having a lot of conversations with friends of mine that are in prevailing models that most of which bless us, some of which are confused and some of which are not very excited about it. Um it's, I think one threatening thing for a lot of church models is a lot of people get paid and which is, which is fine. Um, but I think it becomes a little threatening to some folks in that regard. It can be, um, you know, I think best case scenario is all of the resources of which, you know, we're in the Bible belt again here in East Tennessee, there's so many resources in these prevailing models. Um, and I have seen some of those, uh, prevailing model churches uh, choose to leverage some of their resources to help folks like us. Uh, and I hope they'll continue to do so. And on the flip side of that, a real goal that I have is for Trellis 
to mobilize people that are in prevailing model churches to go out and live that way in their communities and certainly stay tied to their their local churches. Uh, there's just no no issue on our end with that. Um, it's going to be tricky along the way. We realize that. And uh, I think it's going to take a lot of grace from a lot of people. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So I, I love hearing that there are, um, you know, kind of more the m- traditional models that are getting behind you guys to say, Hey, we we're with you. We want to make disciples no matter what that looks like, as long as disciples are being made. Uh, and I mean, that's the whole point of why any of us do what we do in the first place. And so I really love to hear that there's some like-mindedness happening in that area. And, and hopefully the, you'll be able to see more and more of that. Um, and I love the, the idea of the, the idea thought of how do you mobilize the average missionary who doesn't know that they're a missionary that are sitting in a church seat, worshiping every Sunday, checking off, you know, the list of I'm a good Christian because I did X, Y, Z. And, and all of a sudden they discover that they're, they have a greater purpose and how do you mobilize them into their communities and that you guys could be a catalyst for not just, you know, the, the relationships that you build through um, home churches, house churches, micro churches, whatever you want to call them, but also through other models as well. And so I think there's a lot of exciting potential there um, because there's a big body to be mobilized, I think. Yeah. And um, just to add a couple more things, you know, we, we tell our people on mission with Trellis all the time, hey, in everything, it is kingdom over brand. It's kingdom over brand. And so, you know, even with Trellis, we're not out to start a, a new church or a new denomination. Quite the opposite. We, we are looking to empower people to go. And if they want to launch their own things, we just simply empower, uh, you know, our hubs empower people to go and um, launch disciple making movements. And, and if a brand uh, you know, uh, starts in that way and it's helpful for what they're doing. We bless that. But on the, in the same token, you know, if a, if a prevailing model church says we want to launch a disciple making movement, um, but we feel, you know, led to have some leadership and, and oversight of what that could look like. Man, I, you know, if that's what God's doing, let's go for it. If Trellis can help, you know, the, the Baptist church down the road, do that and, and, and mobilize its people to live on mission, Man, 100%. Let's go for it, you know? So I think those are ways um, that we can, I don't like using the term play fair because that seems like the bare minimum of what we need to be doing, but ways that we can empower and bless and, and again, honor each other along the way. Yeah, I I, re- I love that picture. And I just reminded that we're one body in the process, right? Um, and I love the, the honor part of things. I think that's huge when we're working alongside our brothers and sisters in the community with all the same purpose and heartbeat um in some or former fashion right and so um i love what you guys are doing and uh, and i know that you're you're not even a year old yet um but i love the thought that there are already four hubs and we're emerging hubs that are popping up in that um and what this really comes down to are i mean correct me if i'm wrong josh i picture deep-rooted gospel-centered relationships of people sharing the gospel with other people that they're getting messy and in their lives. And, you know, they're sitting across from each other over coffee and in living rooms and, uh, you know, doing the, what I would consider the work of ministry, (laughs) which is all about the people and, and, um, and doing it all through relationship. And I just think 
I just think it's beautiful. And that, um, I know it's, it's probably, a um, somewhat new kind of concept for a lot of folks who are listening to what we're talking about right now. I encourage you, Josh, you just talked about launching a website. Can you tell everyone what that website is? If they want to learn a little bit more as they uh, kind of dip into this and start um, understanding what a disciple making movement could look like in the United States of America. I, I can just keep in mind it's brand new and raw, but uh, yeah, it's the trellis network.org. Make sure and put the, the the in front of it, the trellisnetwork.org. Yeah. And and just to go back to what you were just saying a minute ago. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we've not talked about the imagery of trellis, but, um, you know, a trellis does not cause directly vines to grow, but it certainly supports the vines. And so, um, yeah, that's what we want to be. We, you know, I think uh, at the end of the day, we want to see all these different vines and expressions, specifically ones that have disciple making movement mentality. Uh, we want to be there to to support them and and allow them to grow the way God uh, is is uh, is doing His work. And so, yeah, we're just joining Him in what He's doing. It's great. It's good. I, I'm excited for uh, for for your local area and context and the relationships that God's going to continue to build in East Tennessee to see that entire place saturated with um, the gospel and a disciple making movement for sure. I just want to say thank you, Josh Armstrong, for being with us today. I encourage our listeners to look up the trellis and um, and learn more. Yeah. And and keeping keeping in mind that they're new, which I think is all the more exciting that the rest of us can kind of join them, join them on this journey as Josh and others learn and begin to grow in this so that the rest of us can learn and grow alongside them, too, for uh, what God would have us do in our own communities and through the relationships that we have in our in our planted areas. And so, um, Josh, we appreciate you. Yeah, thanks a lot. And and I would just say also, if anybody's listening in the East Tennessee area, uh, yeah, go to that website and reach out to one of our team members and, you know, we'll have a conversation. Perfect. Thanks so much. Thanks, Carrie.